My mom would always get mad when I tried to wear neon for 80s day in high school because she's grew up in the 80s and was like, that is not how we dressed all the time or whatever. So she wanted me to look like a normal high school 80s student. I'm like, mom, that's not the point. Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. This week we're discussing chapter 16 of Royal Assassin, Verity's Ships. It's a long one, too. It starts out here with just kind of catching up where we're at with the ships in the war. A kind of rehashing of the sentiment of the six duchies. How... They're basically farmers that are kind of learning how to fight, and mm-hmm. they're kind of standing up to the Red Ship Raiders. Right. And there is a little bit of after or foresight, or no, that's... Hindsight? <laughs> Thank you. There's a little bit of hindsight in that whoever is telling the story, presumably older Fitz, is looking back and saying, you know, most of every battle that we won, the other team completely died or killed themselves in the process which looking back is weird but at the time we were just trying to survive and didn't have time to question it and it was too subtle of a hint as to the nature of forging yeah and so i thought this was really important to point out that most of the people that they're fighting well maybe not most but a good portion of the people that they're fighting probably don't want to be there either but it's either that or their loved ones get forged. So right, right. <laughs> they'd rather die in battle. And it starts off here with Fitz being incredibly busy. <laughs> mm-hmm. He has taken it upon himself to reorganize his life and get on top of things a little bit more after his visit with King Shrewd. And he... Kind of goes through his main routine here. So he begins his day before dawn, goes to Verity, and has a skill uh, session with him. And at least twice a week, Burek comes up with axes, and they practice that as well. Mm -hmm. And Verity, during these sessions, is teaching him to be aware of certain things when they're riding together, of how Verity directs his attention in places, and just like little subtle hints, and so they can better work together. Right. And it also says that he's learning how to let Verity wear his eyes and also do the same in return, which is interesting because this is also sort of a wit capability. So I feel like this uh, is... More, I guess so. Um, More so yeah. with animals specifically, but... I just find it an interesting overlap of the abilities that yeah. you are you are able to take over the conscious of another living being. This scene, this scene also like brings to mind the training that Galen put the the others through mm-hmm. because there was a scene I believe it was after Fitz came back after Burek beat up Galen mm-hmm. that. The other students were practicing, you know, looking through each other's eyes and reading what book on the pers- other person was reading mm-hmm. from a different tower. And it's just kind of those rudimentary basic skills that Fitz should have learned but was yeah. denied him. So I guess it's just like focusing mainly on those mental tasks. Yeah. Yeah. And it also is interesting that these tasks are skill exercises but later it's fits saying that it's not quite skill when he's right when verity is riding with him it's not true skilling but a touch and pose bond that had to be renewed which i wanted your opinion on do you think it's really touch and posed or do you think this is like a mental barrier that verity is using to help fits let his guard down yeah i, th- I think it's more so that mm-hmm. Because it gives Fitz a chance to be like, this can't happen whenever this has to be consented to. And I have to like, hey, you can reach out and put this bond on me. I'm sure like like we know, skill is stronger when you have physical contact mm-hmm. with somebody. 
And maybe in this situation, you'd have to have a touch, but I, I don't think you'd have to. Right. I thought it was more of a tool of verities to mm-hmm. more like a physical reminder of like, okay, I'm riding with you now. <laughs> Either that or Verity needs the touch to get through Fitz's walls, kind mm. of like tangentially True. related to that. So Yeah. But he carries Verity around with him during various tasks as well, during this time after Winterfest. He's also helping Ketrickin rearrange the Queen's Garden, and he makes sure to keep Verity with him to show off Ketrickin in her element, where she is glowing, pink-cheeked and gold-haired, wind-kissed and lively. This was how I showed her to him. He heard her speak freely of the pleasure she hoped this garden would bring him. Was this a betrayal of Ketrickin's confidences as me? I pushed such uneasiness firmly away. I took him with me when I paid my duties to Patience and Lacey as well. Yeah. Do you think it was a betrayal of her confidences? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. I think this is kind of like the Molly thing where if I don't say anything and she doesn't say anything about it, that's her accepting it in a weird way in his mind. And it's not (laughs) keeping something secret from somebody that, you know, they won't like doesn't mean that they're okay with you keeping it secret. It just means that they don't know yet. I don't know. I don't think Ketrickin would not like Verity hearing that or anything like that. So, but I still think it's one thing to know when your friend is going to secretly record you for your boyfriend and another (laughs) when they're secretly recording you talking all gushy about your boyfriend and you don't know even though nothing bad is said it's still like an invasion of privacy and probably i don't know would make her mad at verity too like why are you spying on me instead of just talking to me (laughs) yeah i agree i agree i don't know but he also carries verity out among the common folk as well and kind of has him listen in on the talk of the town because verity doesn't doesn't have the chance to go out and learn these things himself. Mm-hmm. He takes, well, he convinces Fitz to go out to the boat sheds as well so Verity can keep an eye there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also Fitz makes Verity aware of the grumbling of the men who thought it treasonous that some out-islander refugees had been allowed to become crew members of our defense vessels. So there's still that distrust, that racism, that uh, xenophobic behavior and sentiment that runs through the six statues people right which is understandable in a time of war against the people that you're fighting right like but still it's it's a it's misplaced Mm -hmm. but they don't know that because they don't know anything about the culture of the out islanders right and this kind of shows a little bit of how the culture is rubbing off on Fitz almost in my opinion because Fitz is showing this to Verity because he feels like Verity made a mistake in allowing this to happen and he doesn't really go in depth on those feelings or why he feels that way but later we're going to see him meet an out islander or several and realize that they're not that different and so I feel mm-hmm. like this little subtle I disapprove, but I wasn't going to say that to my king, so I'll just let him hear it from other people who agree with me. And it felt like just something that he probably subtly picked up. He is a teenager, and he's, you know, very susceptible to other people's feelings, as we know. (laughs) That's an interesting thought about that. I just kind of put my own thoughts onto Fitz during this, I guess. Yeah. And I was thinking it was more of, like, an academic... Uh, men distrust these out-islanders and making them officers in your army isn't good for the army Yeah, kind of thing. So that, that's an interesting read that Fitz actually has invested feeling in this. Yeah. Well, I think he's been affected by it, and it's fair to hold a prejudice. I mean, not good, but it, it makes sense, I guess I should say, not fair. It makes sense to hold a prejudice against the people you don't know anything about, especially in a time when all the adults around you are saying that they're evil. And even if you don't think, like, oh, I'm not as bad as those people, there's still probably some of that rubbing off that you're not, like, fully aware of as a child. Um, And so I kind of saw this as like an interesting subtlety of like a disapproval. Maybe he's not even sure why he disapproves, 
But I understand Verity's thinking of if we allow them to work with us on their ships, they're going to give us the knowledge we need because they do this and it can bring them closer to the people and hopefully help solve that problem. Or maybe Verity just wanted to use them for their knowledge and didn't care if it brought them closer to the people of the duchies. But I like to think that there is a little bit of hope that through their expertise, that would help gain the trust of the people. But yeah. I don't know if Verity's that subtle or not at this point. (laughs) True. Could be, but I don't know. But he also made, Fitz also made trips to visit Shrewd as well during this time, and he brought Verity with him. Wallace seldom admitted me easily, and it always seemed there were others in the room, serving maids I did not know, a workman ostensibly repairing a door, when I went to visit. I hoped impatiently for a chance to talk with him privately about my marriage ambitions. The fool was there always, and kept his word not to show friendship to me before other eyes. His mockery was sharp and stinging, and even though I knew its purpose, he still could manage to fluster or irritate me. (laughs) And uh, someone had tattled to Mistress Hasty about the state of the king's chambers. Yes. And Fitz took a little bit of uh, amusement and pride in that because Mistress Hasty came in and pretty much blew up the whole room, scrubbed it from top to bottom, (laughs) and Shrewd was kind of getting a kick out of it and was in a lively mood and bantering with the... With the work women who were in and out, and mm-hmm. Mistress Hasty was, you know, admonishing Wallace because Wallace assured her that he was keeping everything clean. And Fitz is like, "Well, how about we have Wallace clean out the smoke pots and yeah. the <laughs> the burn urns and stuff like that?" And and he came back a much more mellow man. <laughs> and with this, Fitz kind of wonders if Wallace himself even knows what he's giving Shrewd. Because he did obviously touch the <laughs> yeah. the burners, so clearly he didn't doesn't know enough to be careful around the ashes. Right. Um, but then who would it be? And that's what Fitz is now dealing with of, if it's not Wallace, who? But we already know Wallace is a tool. Yep, because Jade told him uh-huh, that. That he has no knowledge of herbs mm-hmm. and is very susceptible to... Do what other people suggest if he thinks it's his own idea. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think it's a little weird that Fitz isn't quite grasping how much of a tool Wallace is. Right. But also, who knows? <laughs> but also, like, where would Regal get the knowledge for this? Is He, he getting does it? drugs? <laughs> yeah. But I feel like this is a, more of a mixture of a bunch of things rather than just... That's Here fair. are my pleasure herbs, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Dull some of your pain. I feel like it's, I don't know. Well, I, it, I could be wrong. It could be just like, this will help your pain. Like, here, this is what I use. But I don't I know. I think they're, it's not as nice as that. But I, I feel like because of his mother and his lifestyle, Regal would be the perfect person to know what kind of drugs to mix to make somebody not very lucid. Even if he himself doesn't really indulge in those types of drugs, I'm sure he like has contacts. He has a hookup (laughs) that could like help him with that. Cause I don't think anything in these drugs is poisonous and maybe it's serene. Maybe it's the coterie that has the knowledge, somebody in the coterie. I don't know, but I just assumed cause Regal kind of has an addiction problem that he would know enough to be able to get his dad into it. (laughs) But the end result of that day was very, very good for the king because his whole room was decorated and he made his way down that night to join them in the great hall and actually called out for his favorite musicians and songs. Fitz took it as a personal victory. And still he was busy with other things as well. He says some moments were solely mine and not just my nights with Molly. He took some time to hunt with Night Eyes because even though they're bonded and they can sense each other, it doesn't replace the feeling of actually going alone together and off hunting. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting because in this description of why he feels the need to physically be around Mm -hmm. Night Eyes, he says... It is hard to express the completeness of two beings moving as one for a single purpose. And he doesn't say this about Verity riding him 
and looking through his eyes. It's only about night eyes, which I found really interesting because there is a way that Verity could be with him and they're doing something for a singleness of purpose. But I guess Verity's never physically there with him, so it's different. But also, maybe it's because Verity has different interests in mind and fits mostly aligns with those, but on the whole, they can't fully share everything like he can with Night Eyes. I feel like if Verity was out there and Verity and Fitz were sharing a hunt together while also sharing each other's minds, Mm -hmm. I feel like Fitz could have that feeling too. Mm. So I think it's mostly on Verity not being there and being pulled in many directions at once. Mm. But also it could be because the wit is an emotional magic and bond and the skill is not it's more cerebral Mm. so it could just be the emotional level of things yeah it could just be uh, affecting fits in a different way than a skill connection would or has and he also describes here that his senses are getting better and he's getting better at distinguishing you know, between Night Eye's senses overlapping his and and using those things, or Night Eye's interpreting his own sense of smell and telling him what that means. Mm -hmm. And he's just getting better in general at both of his magics at this point. He's getting practice at both. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He says, you know, food was more savory, perfumes more tangible, and I tried not to extend this logic to my appetite for Molly's company. I knew he was there, but as he had promised, he did nothing over to make me aware of him at such times. Which is a very discomforting thing to think about, I'm sure, as mm-hmm. as a human. Yeah, <laughs> like how much of an animal am I truly becoming sort yep. of thing. And I'm sure he thinks back on Birik's lectures to him. Right. You will just become a beast. Mm-hmm. So a month after Winterfest... As this has been going on and he's filled up these his days with these tasks, Verity tells him that his new task, his new job has come around. He's going to be a crewmate on the Rurisk, one of the, the, the head ship for yep. his new fleet. The biggest of the ships. Yep, the biggest one. And he's going to learn how to row. And he's signed a spot at an oar and... He has to throw himself into a task and just, you know, learn how to row with the other men on there. Which he's super good at, just throwing himself into tasks. Yep. <laughs> it's very, just do what you're told. And It is funny. The master of the vessel uh, brings up, wonders aloud why he is given a twig when he asked for a uh, an, log. Oh, oh, yeah, a log. <laughs> so I thought that was a funny little, you know, Mulan-esque <laughs> reference. <laughs> We get a a great description, a couple page description of, you know, what the other ships were Mm -hmm. and how lovingly they were crafted. Right. Is there anything you wanted to say on those descriptions? Um, I just wanted to bring up, we don't know all four names of the ship, at least not at this point, but we do know that Rurisk is the first ship that was built and it was dedicated to Ketrigan's brother, obviously, because it was named after her brother. Um, But the second ship and the only other one that we learned the name of is Constance. Yep. After his the his mom. Yep. And so I wonder if one of the other ships is named Chivalry. <laughs> I don't know. Uh I think that'd be a little weird because Fitz is around. Yeah. But But they are those were both created by Mastfish, the mm-hmm. shipwright that we had been talking about before. And the other two were a little bit differently built. Just slightly different make, I guess. Yes. And Fitz kind of remarks that like this is a a, a green ship, it hasn't really been tested at all, and neither has the crew, so we'll kind of all learn together, and they'll have to practice a lot, and they do. The Robin Hobb kind of goes over all of the practices here, and the maneuvers that they have to learn, so it's second nature. Yeah. And then we learn that the master of the ship, of the Rurisk, is a six duchies man. He was born and raised there. Uh, but the second is an out islander and he's the one who really taught them anything that they learned mm-hmm. because 
of the two, I'm sure only the Islander has experience in this type of boating. Yeah. So it comes in handy. I, I think this is also bringing up, making it more evident the sore spot that it is to have the Islanders there because the reason that they're so knowledgeable in this is because, is because they, they are raiders. Yeah. <laughs> that is part of their culture is they raid the six duchies. But whenever they raid, they're not as brutal. <laughs> so right. it's one of those things where I understand where the prejudice is coming from again. Because, yeah, they're super knowledgeable and helpful in this moment. But there's a reason. Mm-hmm. So it just goes back to the tensions that are simmering underneath. Building up for the past, you know, decades. Yeah. <laughs> And there are two other out-islanders on the ship, so three total, and Fitz spending time with the crew and practicing and sleeping out there um, can overhear them speaking to one another in their languages mm-hmm. after a little bit, and Verity is urging him to listen in because Verity knows more of the out-islander tongue, Yes, and he can listen in while Fitz doesn't quite understand. But eventually he he comes to understand a little bit more and think that you know their languages are aren't that different so he can pick up on the general meanings and it's not insurrection it's not revenge it's basically just mourning and yeah there is revenge but revenge on the red ship raiders right right they want to avenge their fallen loved ones and i think this is what really made me think that the earlier passage was kind of fits picking up on the subtle racism and maybe having that in his heart because he's so shocked that it turns out that they're just having similar conversations to what the six duchies people are having just in a different language. And it seems secretive and scary because they're huddled up and talking in a different language Mm -hmm. and it's not that different. And I think that helps him open up more to them and feel less like scared towards them. I don't know that he's scared necessarily, but I think whatever prejudice he was holding is easier put aside now that he knows, oh, there are people just like me who lost family members, loved ones, and villagers that they have a common goal. And I think that makes it easier for Fitz to understand why they're here. That understanding also puts, he says, a barrier between him and the rest of the crew because he had to go out and kill forged ones. So he wonders, you know, how many of their loved ones did I send to the grave ultimately. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because this is a barrier that Fitz is putting up himself. Oh yeah. This isn't a barrier that anyone else is surprised. (laughs) No one else is treating him weird because no one somehow know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's just making the decision that they would dislike him too because of the similarities and making that barrier for himself, which is really sad that he feels the need to do that. But that's who Fitz is. So. <laughs> True. I just wanted to quick ask, why, how do you think he picked up the language so quick? They remark on it a couple times that it really isn't that different at all. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it would be someone, you know, who spoke French all their life, listening to someone speak Spanish next to them, like for a few weeks on end to each other, mm. you'd be able to pick up on meanings of words and like general gists eventually. But it, I guess, like, I think what you're hinting at, it could be like Verity's understanding of it trickling into him through the skill connection. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was wondering if there was somehow. Because he shares thoughts with Verity, he's translating. And then even when Verity isn't around or he's not as like relaxed to hear the translations as easily, he's picking up. Because, you know, when you are learning a language, the more you hear it, the more familiar it becomes. And especially if they're having the same kind of conversations over and over again, it's not unbelievable that he can pick it up, especially if it is a super close language. But... I just think it's interesting because we already know that he picked up the Mountain Kingdom language super fast. So yeah. I'm wondering if this is just his like weird ability or if that's it's just too. I mean, I think the Mountain Kingdom. Right. Was from his, he knew it when he was a kid. Yes, I agree with that. But I just I don't know. I found it interesting that he could also pick up. I mean, this isn't saying that he could speak it to them well, but he's at least understanding it at a level that I think is pretty advanced for someone who's just overhearing conversations every night you know what is the word it's um it's like poly 
Oh, man. I can't think of the word. But uh, someone who's really good at picking up languages. Yeah. Like that one uh, reporter. Have you yeah, seen that video yeah. of the guy who speaks like eight languages? Really cool. Anyway, maybe if it's like that, maybe he's just really good at learning languages like Tarzan. <laughs> he did grow up similarly wild. So. <laughs> <laughs> and so... He kind of describes how the master of the ship during these mock battles and these maneuvers and stuff would hammer in that they would have all the advantages. They would have more men. The raiders would be, you know, far away from home and they would have rode all this way. So they'd be super tired and, you know, it's going to be great. And all the while, the out islanders are kind of, you know, shaking their heads to themselves and like, that's what makes the raiders strong Mm -hmm. so it's not going to be that easy so fitz is kind of getting that sense of like well it's not all as easy as they're making it out to be yeah (laughs) the 16 year old boy is kind of like but i mean he has an advantage because he can understand the out islanders right right. although maybe some of the other people have started picking up a little bit so maybe they're also hearing yeah i don't know but either way, it starts talking about his days off. Yes, one day out of ten. Mm-hmm. It's a busy schedule. A quote unquote day off. Yes. Like this is, seems more busy than his regular days, honestly. Yes. Um, and those are the days when he would report to King Shrewd and tell him all about what's going on in the Rurisk, which seemed to liven him. Um, so Fitz enjoyed that. And then he would visit Patience and Lacey and Ketrickin, steal a few hours for Night Eyes, and of course visit Molly at night. And then hurry back to his chamber in the early hour morning so he could meet with Chade before the night was over. And then he says that he would be excited to get back to the 10-day work day because he'd get a full night's rest. <laughs> because at dawn, after yep. Chade, he had to go to Verity to report to Verity and then renew the skill yep touching so yeah that's That's a long uh, time (laughs) that's a not a lot of sleep there bud no but he's young it'll be fine (laughs) during one of these times as the winter drew to a close it says he finally got the chance to speak to shrewd uh alone i guess we'll say (laughs) there was one serving woman in uh, like cleaning in shrewd's chambers and the fool made her extremely uncomfortable, so obviously she was one of Regal's spies, mm-hmm. and Fitz kind of, like, sussed that out. And the fool made her uncomfortable enough to where she kind of, like, shrieked and ran away or whatever. Yeah, well, she was holding dirty water, and he used his rat scepter to pretend to look up her dress with the yeah. rat scepter, which <laughs> freaked her out. Um, Pretty... You know, <laughs> makes sense. I would also be freaked out by somebody putting a rat scepter up my skirt. <laughs> but um, it makes her spill all the water all over herself. And so Shrewd dismisses her to get changed. Yep. So it's just the fool and Shrewd. Yes. And Fitz instantly becomes serious. He seizes on the opportunity here. My liege, there is something I've been wishing to petition you about for some time. Some note in my voice must have alerted both fool and king, for I instantly had their undivided attention. I glared at the fool, and he knew plainly I wished him to withdraw, but instead he leaned closer, actually resting his head against Shrewd's knee as he simpered at me infuriatingly. I refused to let it rattle me. I looked at the king beseechingly. You may speak, Fitzchivalry, he said formally. I drew breath. My liege... I would ask your permission to marry. The fool's eyes grew round with surprise, but my king smiled as indulgently as if I were a child begging a sweetmeat. So, finally it has come. But surely you mean to court her first. And this is the start of a misunderstanding. (laughs) Also, I just want to, I kind of want to pause here. Do you think the fool's grew eyes grew round with surprise because he doesn't see Fitz getting married anytime soon? And he's like, uh, what are you doing now? <laughs> Don't change the future on me. <laughs> yeah, I know 
Later, we know that Fool has visions of him eventually marrying Molly, but that's like a really small path and very far away. And I believe that only happens in the Tawny Man trilogy. I don't even think that. that. Yeah, I don't think that's right now. I don't think that's part of the path because Fitz is supposed to die, I think. No, the Fool is supposed to die. The Fool's supposed to die, yeah. (laughs) So I'm sure he can't can't see much past his death. Yeah, he can't see anything past his death, I think. Yeah, so we know that... At this point in time, he probably doesn't see Fitz marrying anybody. Probably didn't even think that Fitz might have any romantic interests because of that. I'm sure it's well, easy to over... Well, I mean, he might... He knows about Molly. Come on. The fool. Yes, but <laughs> knowing that somebody is romping around with somebody else doesn't mean that you think they're going to get married someday. <laughs> That's fair. So it could just be a fling in all, for all the fool knows because he knows Fitz isn't going to get married in this path. I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I think he really is surprised here, which fits as a catalyst. So he can do surprising things, but also probably just an oversight on Fool's part. And Shrewd kind of goes on like... He's excited. Oh, yeah. Shrewd is extremely excited. He's like, I didn't even have to push him into this. Yeah, this like, is great. Like, Wow, this is going to work out perfect. Like my, my great friend, the Duke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his his daughter already wanted to court Fitz immediately when he left, like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was probably it was like earlier this that winter, I think. Yeah, it, it might have been within been the same long. year. Yeah, hasn't been that long. <laughs> but she's fourteen. Yes, <laughs> and that's how this uh, whole misunderstanding comes to a little close here. So, Shrewd's like, I have no objections. In fact, I am well pleased with your choice. The smile that broke out on my face was amazingly echoed by one on the fool's countenance. I drew a trembling breath until Shrewd continued. But her father has reservations. He has told me that he would like to delay this, at least until her older sisters are pledged. What? I could barely utter the word. Confusion whirled in me. Shrewd smiled benignly. Your lady, it seems, is as good as her name. Solarity has asked her father for permission to court you the very day you left for Buckkeep. I think you won her heart when you spoke so plainly to Virago. But Brondi denied her for the reason I have told you. I understand the lady raised quite a storm with her father, but Brondi is a firm man. He did, however, send word to us, lest we take offense. He wishes us to know he has no opposition to the match itself, only to her preceding her sisters in marriage. I acceded in this. She is, I believe, but fourteen? I could not speak. Do not look so distressed, boy. You are both young and there is plenty of time. (laughs) And it says, you know, the fool looks back and forth and Fitz couldn't read the fool's expression. And Fitz starts trembling as he had not in months. He decides to take this moment to finally try clearing the air, which he never does. He... (laughs) Well, not never, just very rarely, so quickly fixes an error in someone's judgment. Right. But he says, you know, that's not who I meant. And there's an immediate change in Shrewd. And it says, silence descended. I met my king's eye and saw his look change. Had I not been desperate, I know I would have looked aside from that displeasure. Instead, I looked at him beseechingly, praying he might understand... When he did not speak further, I attempted to. My king, the woman I speak of is presently a lady's maid, but in her own right, she is not a servant. She is be silent. He has made shrewd mad. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He looks, fits up and down carefully. And when he spoke, it was with the force of all his majesty. I thought I felt even the pressure of the skill in his voice. Be entirely certain of what I say to you, Fitzchivalry. Brondi is my friend as well as my duke. Neither he nor his daughter shall be offended or slighted by you. At this time you shall court no one, no one. I suggest you consider well all you are offered when Brondi considers you favorably as a match for celerity. He makes no matter of your birth. Few others would do so. Celerity will have land and a title of her own. As will you, from me, if you have the wisdom to bide your time and do well by the lady. You will come to find that it is the wise choice. 
I will tell you when you may begin courting her. I summoned the last of my courage. My king, please, I... Enough, chivalry! You have heard my word on this subject. There is no more to say. A short time later, he dismissed me. Oh, yikes. Perhaps I told myself spitefully it was because in his heart he knew I would do as my father had done. I would wed for love. Oh, fits. <laughs> it is really interesting that we might have gotten a peek at what happened when Chivalry told his dad he was going to wed mm -hmm. Patience. Except at least Patience was a lady. Yeah. She had has her own land and is nobility in her own right. It's not very advantageous, but at least it's nobility. And yet I'm sure it went very similar to this. I can see Shrewd getting mad, but I don't think he would be as mad at chivalry as he was at Fitz right there. Just because of the emotions tied up in that decision. Because I'm sure Shrewd feels guilty for not putting his foot down and like, no, you're not marrying Patience because... That's I, he probably feels at fault somewhat for mm. chivalry abdicating. Interesting. Because if chivalry was married to someone he didn't love so much, would he have abdicated with a royal bastard? Oh, interesting take. I didn't think about it like that. So when he sees this happening again, those feelings are brought up and it's just like, no, I'm not going to see another one of my sons waste his life over something that I can stop kind of thing. Yeah. And... To be fair to Shrewd, he does have a point that it would be super offensive to yeah. a duke that you're like, nah, your daughter's not good enough. I'm going for a lady's maid. <laughs> It'd be a little bit rude. Mm -hmm. um, so I understand his thought, pro like part of the thought process of where this is coming from. But love shouldn't have titles. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I really like Molly as a character, and I'm I'm not a Molly hater like some um, fans of the series are. But also, like, if she wasn't in the story, yeah. I would love to see Celerity and Fitz, like, have a relationship and build that, yeah. like, empire. I don't know. It would I just be interesting. First read-through, a huge Molly fan. I still really like Molly. I the more in depth read that we're doing, I kind of don't love them as a couple. The more they, the longer they are a couple, at least right now. And they're I think, very immature right now, yes, and it's they're like children. A, yeah, so <laughs> that's part of it. And I think because I know what happens long run, it's hard to look at this rough start that they have. So it's easier to be nitpicky and like frustrated with the relationship now yeah but i also think my first read through i didn't have the knowledge that maybe they would end up together <laughs> in a healthier relationship <laughs> so you thought it was so, so romantic like the yeah, clandestine like, visits and mm -hmm. i still got frustrated but i think i'm more frustrated now just because i know how they grow up so <laughs> but yeah it's it's hard, but I think this part specifically angers me to Fitz towards Molly because his reaction to this isn't to tell Molly. It's <sighs> that there will be a better time to tell Molly about this and she doesn't need to know. So he doesn't tell her. I could not imagine telling Molly what had just transpired between my king and me. Telling myself that not to speak was also a deception, I resolved to find a way to tell her, but not right now. A time would come, I promised myself, a time when I could explain and she would understand. I would wait for it. Until then, I would not think about it. Nor, I resolved coldly, would I go to my king unless I were summoned. Okay, Aaron Burr. You don't need to wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Fitz is incredibly frustrating with his decisions to put things off. I mean, he's a 16-year-old boy. Like, there's always going to be a better time in your head for something. Right. And... There is a lot going on right now. To be fair to Fitz, I mean, he is trying to juggle like eight different lives at once, and that's hard. And he knows that Verity has already approved his marriage to whoever he wants. But that was also before Shrewd had ordered him to marry someone else. And I don't know if Verity has the power to over 
ride that. Right. And they haven't talked about that. And so it's really hard to watch Fitz think this is the least important of the things I'm juggling and Molly doesn't need to know yet. And I think that's because he knows that if he tells her, she's not going to want to date him anymore. There Mm -hmm. will be no more moonlit meetings. It'll be literally going against the king's word. Yep. (laughs) And I think she's smart enough to know better. And she, not that it's fair, but she probably would stop seeing him. (laughs) I mean, maybe not. Maybe she would understand and be like, thank you for telling me right away. You're right. We can wait for Verity or we can run away or something, but either way it's better. (laughs) Yeah. At least she would know. And it's not, Ugh, I don't know. Fitz keeps on describing his very busy winter here and spring is drawing closer. Winter is coming to close to an end. So the raids are going to start happening again pretty soon. So Verity needs to start planning which skill person is going on each boat. Yep, they're planning their line of defense. They're setting up what's going to happen and the actual logistics of things. And Serene is the one staying at Buckkeep to receive the messages and then pass them along to Verity. And Fitz is kind of wondering, like, why why is Serene even here? Like, can't they just skill directly to Verity? Mm -hmm. Which makes sense but also i don't think verity wants to deal with all of them yeah he doesn't find them very skilled so i'm sure any excuse to not have to deal with all of them all the time is enough for him right Um, i also think that this is a sneaky thing so that somebody's always there to drain shrewd i think this is partially serene's doing anyway it says that serene has begun thinking of herself as the skill master she Mm -hmm. has moved into galen's old quarters all the servants treat her with much the same disdain that they treated galen because she acts like galen not just because she moved in as a skill master (laughs) it's not like they treat nettle like that when she becomes skill mistress (laughs) no it's anybody who lives there (laughs) No, no but she she's taking on the mannerisms of galen and just being cruel and i don't know she seemed to have acquired his testiness and foul humor as well. I avoided her assiduously on the days I was home. I would have been more relieved if Verity had placed her elsewhere, but it was not up to me to question my cane waiting's decisions. And he goes through the rest of the coterie here. Justin is assigned to the Rurisk mm-hmm. alongside Fitz. And then we got Carid aboard Constance. The other ship, Burl at Neat Bay Tower, and Will is in the far north in Burns. And they're kind of placed along, and uh, Fitz says once he had arranged their tokens out on his maps, it made a reality of the pathetic thinness of our defenses. It reminds me of the old folktale of the, be- of the beggar who had but a hat to cover his nakedness, I told Verity. He smiled without humor. Would that I could move my ships as swiftly as he did his hat, he wished grimly, which I thought was funny in a in a morbid way. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So two of them are uh, roaming about, and two of them are anchored along the shoreline, mm-hmm. so there's always two in reserve. And we do learn another name of a ship here, Stag. Oh, that's right. I forgot. The Stag, yeah. So we have Verisk, Constance, and Stag. Which, okay, stick with the theme, Verity. You're going to do two names of royalty people who have passed away, and then Stag. Uh, Stag on flag. (laughs) Name name boat Stag. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta have your mascot out there, come on. I mean, I guess. I, I don't know. Is the next one Horn? <laughs> hey, it'd be like, I don't know, we probably, like, the U.S. probably has, like, a USS Bald Eagle or something like that, right? You know? Uh, probably. <laughs> Knowing the U.S., probably. But I would like to say no. America! <laughs> so, it's starts being spring and they're still practicing maneuvers they get to go out on the water a little bit more because it's less choppy less storm driven Mm -hmm. from the winter so they can actually practice a lot of things they're also practicing drills with the coterie yes finding you know each other in the water so they can meet at places randomly in the middle of the water so 
you know, the enemy can't find them, whatever. And Verity privately told me that they functioned almost as well as carrier pigeons at relaying simple messages. <laughs> so it really is complete disdain for their abilities. Yeah. And for their training. Well, in a way, it allows him to overlook what other skills they could have possibly learned because they're so bad at the one thing they were supposed to be trained for that he just assumes that they didn't get trained for anything else, which is a fair assumption. But actually, I don't think they were specifically trained to be messengers. Well, that was the point of them getting trained. That's why King Shrewd ordered it, right? To help, but I think Verity specifically says in in an earlier chapter, like, I can only use them as messengers, honestly, because they're so weak and they don't know what they're doing. I guess, yeah. So so I feel like they they were supposed to be trained as, like, these weapons and they can do what Verity is doing, but Verity's like, nah, just pass along messages for me (laughs) because you're worthless otherwise. Yeah. I wonder if he would have spent even a little bit of time in part of this training with them, if that would have helped, if, I don't know. I mean, maybe even with Galen gone, it's too late. Galen would have refused to have him up there, right? That's true. That was part of like his deal with the king was to say, no one can be there. No one can interfere. I'm doing it this my way. Mm. I think it would have, first of all, because Verity up there would have been able to be like, nah, don't do We're it not this doing way. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I just think like even after Galen was gone, would it maybe have helped if he would have tried to gain their favor? Or do you think it's too late at that point? Because I think it's pretty late at that point. I mean, Galen had them for months of solid breaking down their personalities and rebuilding them into his likeness. <laughs> yeah. Just cult-like members of devotion and hatred yeah and hate is a lot easier to build than fondness well and verity as well here also mentions um well fitz mentions that verity told the master of the risk that fitz might give weird orders once in a while and to obey them right no he's not given out that he's scaling direct instructions into Fitz's head and he's supposed to keep that a secret, but the master of the ship knows that Fitz might make some decisions once in a while. Mm-hmm. And Fitz says that he thinks this might come off as Verity's indulgence in his bastard nephew. Um, but as long as he follows orders. <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, he also points out that Verity wants more ships mm-hmm. and the shipwrights had to beg him to wait because the logs that they're u- going to use are too green and that if he wants durable ships, that it would be better to wait longer, which is hard w- to tell somebody when you're in the middle of a war that needs ships to protect your coastline, but they're doing what they can. So Yeah, exactly. And there's one spring morning. That they are out doing an exercise that we've been talking about where Justin, the Coterie member, is trying to reach and link up with Carid, another one on a different ship. And they're supposed to link together and direct their ships to the same spot. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) of course we get Justin making rude comments because he's very uptight about how Fitz failed and just feels superior in all ways to Fitz. But in the worst kind of way, because it's not even just like he feels superior, he feels the need to let everyone know he feels superior, which in my opinion denotes a little bit of um, insecurity. Insecurity, yeah. (laughs) To you, it's an opaque blanket, but to me, all is as clear as a mirror. Because it's foggy. Yes. (laughs) How unfortunate for you, I said kindly, ignoring the use of the word bastard. I'd rather see the fog than your face of a morning. Petty, but satisfying. (laughs) (laughs) And they are... uh, Well, he remarks quickly that he's just, you know, wearing sensible clothing. Everyone's there. No armor because... It's the water, and if you fall in, you'll drown. Yes. <laughs> so might as well die cleanly rather than struggle and drown later. Yes, which are Bure- uh, Burek's words. Yep. So. 
And Verity had quirked a smile at that. Let's not burn him with too much overconfidence, <laughs> he suggested wryly, which I thought was pretty funny, too. Yes. And even Beric had smiled after a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Can't joke around with Fitz dying. No. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> maybe, maybe a little. So they've been rowing for a while, and the crew has been practicing for a long time, and they are settling in into one another's rhythms. And Fitz remarks that they become one animal. It was a phenomenon that I had noted before. Perhaps I was more sensitized to it, nerves abraded clean by my skill sharing with Verity. Perhaps it was that all men and women aboard shared a single purpose, and that was, for most of them, it was vengeance. Whatever it was, it lent a unity to us that I had never sensed before in a group of folk. Perhaps, I thought, this was a shadow of what it was to belong to a coterie. I felt a pang of regret of opportunities lost. And I want to say that uh, before I move on with that thought, the becoming one animal, again, we have Mm -hmm. a lot of references in the writing to animal similes and comparing things to the natural world. Yes. And one of these is a group feeling and a group singular purpose. And this pops up a little bit later in this Mm -hmm. chapter as well. And this particular purpose, Fitz thinks it's because he might be sensitive because of the skill Mm -hmm. that he has. But I think it's more so the wit. Yeah. Partially because Hobb describes it with an animalistic you know, overtone to it, and partially because it's a unified feeling of going Mm -hmm. in a certain direction. Everyone having the same goal in mind, which is what he talked about with Night Eyes, and distinctly not what he talked about with Verity. But again, at the beginning of all the introductions of the magics, Robin Hobb does, through Fitz's writings, describes the skill Everyone has the skill as, like, a mother knows when her baby is going to cry and can get up. So there is that, like, singleness of mind aspect to the skill as well. So Mm -hmm. it might, I think it's more of the wit, but it could be a combo of both of them because Fitz uses the magics unlike a lot of people. Right. I don't know. It could be something that is wit-based that is strengthened by the skill. Yeah, that's true. Normally we see his skill-based things strengthened by the wit. Mm -hmm. So I could see this being... And maybe he's helping the group become one. Um, Maybe not. Maybe this is just a natural occurrence that would have happened regardless of if he was on the boat or not. Yeah. But it does sort of feel like something that he contributes to because he's noticing that every single person has a singleness of mind. Or maybe it's just a monotonous thing to do, rowing a boat. (laughs) (laughs) And the more I dwell on this, the more I think that his combined magics do affect him in this particular way, the same way that the combined magics make him a berserker later in this chapter and Mm -hmm. from what we've seen before. We've seen witted or old blood fighters not get overwhelmed and berserk out. Right. And we've seen skilled ones not get overwhelmed and berserk out in battles. So I think it's literally the skill connection that he has with the people along with the amplified feelings from the wit side he's getting from all of those connections that really makes him overwhelmed Mm. and, you know, kind of shut everything out and make it his body ultimately raise those walls to cut off you know, any sense of what's happening, pretty much. Interesting thought. So so in my mind, it's, it's kind of a combo of both, and he's just feeling the precursor of it, right? basically. Hmm. I don't know. Because he's also more sensitive to, like, the skill road and, right. you know, the, the skill in that they're in later. Right. I always thought of it as kind of a thing where it was just not knowing boundaries he never learned that's true it could definitely be of lack boundaries. of training yeah <laughs> because we know Burek also kind of was a berserker and as far as we know he doesn't have skill he is susceptible to skill but we don't know that he had any talent for it himself is he an actual berserker or was he just really handy with an axe compared to i thought it everything was else he tells fitz later that he was known as a berserker mm. or something I mean, that sounds familiar. I just don't specifically remember. Or maybe Verity says something about... I don't know. I feel like... Yeah. 
It sounds familiar He's to me. Described at some point. Yeah, I don't know. We'll find out, I suppose. But yeah. And I don't think Bjork was really trained at all in the wit, at least not until he was older. And no, I mean, he was trained in the wit from his first wit partner, who was an old stray dog. Right. And that was as much training as he got, I think. Which, how much could an old stray dog help, really, right. in the grand scheme? So, yeah, I don't know. Well, they uh, are rowing here, and... When Fitz feels lonely, he, Verity says, tries to comfort him with, you oh, right. are my coterie. Right. At the same time, as somewhere from the distant hills, something less than a sigh... Are we not pack? I do have you. I thought back to them. And so... I had that highlighted as well. Yeah. He's getting a lot stronger in his magics. He can simultaneously keep those separated and mm-hmm. talk Mess. to them. <laughs> yes. Without... Well, at least without Verdi knowing, mm-hmm. as far as we know. <laughs> yeah, he probably, just like he did on the first day, he probably notices something is happening in his mind, but he's not privy to what that is. Right. Yeah, I, I I had that highlighted as well because it's an interesting catch that he's doing it all in one one paragraph. Right. But also I think it's interesting that once again we have Fitz feels so alone and then there's people in his corner saying we love you and we're with you and he's like yeah yeah but you don't count. I <laughs> <laughs> guess you're right. I have you, I guess. And it's kind of sad because he does feel lonely so often, but we know he's not alone. <laughs> and he kind of settles into his task here and clears his mind and he sees Justin reaching out with the skill for Carrot and Fitz idly reaches out too to see if he could sense what Justin was skilling and Verity mentally slaps him basically just say stop that you know we slaps his hand yeah (laughs) i'm not ready for anyone to have suspicions about you yet there was a lot behind that warning more than i could devote myself to just now as if what i had begun to do were actually a very dangerous action i wonder what he feared what do you think he fears rather than you know, is it just the discovery that Verity has a secret weapon of, like, Fitz can actually skill? He's not as a big of a failure as the Coterie seems to think he is? Um, yes and no. I think in some ways Verity has caught on to the Coterie not being his. I think, in, I'm sure he has suspicions that they're under Regal's reign. And... Fitz has already a giant target on his back. Right. So I'm sure he just wants to keep Fitz from announcing that he does have the skill because he's not able to consistently protect himself yet. So it's hard to be like, oh, sure, do whatever you want. If they find out you have the skill, it's no big deal. Because if they find out he has a skill, then that's an open doorway to his mind. That's what I thought I was thinking, too, about. It was was mainly protecting because yeah. that is something we know about the skill is that to skill out you must open yourself up so it leaves you vulnerable to skill towards someone i don't know not great yeah i hope it's not anything more sinister but and speaking of opening yourself up fitz kind of clears his mind and with the steady physical effort the lack of anything to focus on put me into a waking dream about nothing The cries of the young watchman broke my trance. Where treachery, he cried out, his shrill voice deepening as blood engulfed it. We are attacked. I leaped up from my rowing bench, staring wildly all about. Fog. Only my oar dangling and skipping on the surface of the water, while my fellow oarsmen glared at me for breaking the rhythm. You, Fitz, what ails you? the master demanded. Justin stood at his side, clear-browed and self-righteous. I... My back cramped. Sorry. I stooped to my oar again. And so he was skilling out and connecting with this watchman. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that fits himself or if Verity was also looking out and they kind of... He was kind of riding along with Verity's skill sense. But Verity also immediately knows 
what this situation is, where it is, because they have a conversation immediately after this about it. Right. I don't know. It is odd because if he is just aimlessly wandering with skill, you'd think he would come across the other two skill users before coming across right. a person calling for help. But maybe that's just the nature of Fitz, that he is drawn to things that need help. I don't know. It is interesting because I don't know that Verity would have a reason to also be skilling out to see at the same time as skilling with Fitz. You know, what I mean? like a. I mean, that's his skill. job, though. Like that's what he's kind of. I, it, but it's if still... it's spring, it's raiding time, so mm. he might be looking through, and you know, fog is a great time tactically to it's attack. But a mirror. It was yeah. To a skill user. <laughs> is opaque for you, but for me. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I like to think that it is just fits like happening upon this, but it could be more directed by Verity. Yeah, I I'm not sure. But Verity and Fitz have this conversation and Fitz is like, "Where where was this watchman? I'm waking up from a nightmare kind of thing." And Verity's like, "It was it was Antler Island." They came in under the fog's cover. No town there, but the signal tower. I think they intend to slaughter the watchers and then do their best to destroy the towers. A brilliant strategy. Antler Island is one of our first lines of defense. The outer tower watches the sea. The inner tower passes on the signals to both Buckkeep and Nipe. Verdi's thoughts, almost calm with the, sta- the same ready- steadiness excuse me, that seizes one as a weapon is brought to the ready. Then, after a moment... The single-minded slug is so intent on reaching Carrot, he won't let me through. Fitz, go to the master, tell him Antler Island. If you get into the channel, the current will practically fly you to the cove where the tower is. The raiders are there already, but they'll have to beat against the current to get out again. Go now, and you may catch them on the beach. Now! And so Fitz goes up to the can- captain, the master of the ship, and, you know, asks for permission to speak, waits what seems to fit an agonizingly long time for the master to even, you know, address him mm-hmm. because he's just an oarsman, basically. Right. And he's also not following the line of procedure. He should have gone through the second to talk to him first. Yeah, definitely. And so he he basically says that same thing. Like, if we turned and caught the currents, we could go directly to Antler Island the master's like, oh, oh, you read the currents? Yeah. That's useful. And Fitz is like, no. <laughs> <laughs> we just should go there now. And Justin breaks in like, this is nonsense. You sense that we're close to completing this and you just want somebody else to be a failure as well. Something like that. And I'm, Yeah. <laughs> why, why do you want me to fail so you won't feel so alone? I, I wanted, wanted to, to kill, kill him. him. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, I drew myself straight and told the truth. A secret order from the king-in-waiting, sir. One I was to pass on to you at this time. I addressed only the master. He dismissed me with a nod, and I returned to my bench and took my oar back from Kelpie. The master stared dispassionately into the mist. Jark, have the steersman swing her about and catch the current. Take her a bit deeper into the channel. The mate nodded stiffly, and in an instant we had changed course. And they're heading to Antler Island. Yeah. Why do you think we know what's going to happen? They're going to arrive on the Red Ship Raids. Why do you think nobody questions how the king in waiting knew the Red Ship Raiders would be there? Like, wouldn't that, if they didn't, if we assume they don't know Fitz is witted or even suspect it, which I'm sure is the case. Skilled or witted? Skilled. Skilled, okay. We assume that they don't know Fitz is skilled or even have an inkling of it. They just know that he said Verity had a secret mission to relate to you right now, and it's to go to Antler Island. And then they get there, and the red ships are attacking. When, why wouldn't they like start to think, hmm, maybe Verity is the one attacking us, like he's in league with the red ship or something? You think, you think that would be their first conclusion? I would think that they have been told that Verity is defending with the king's magic. Right. Right. Something like that. And they'd be like, oh, he's not doing anything. And then if they get this information and red ships are there, maybe they're like, 
oh, maybe he is doing something and he knows. Or, hmm, interesting. You know? I just assume because I guess they don't know how it works, so it's possible. Maybe they think it's similar, more similar to like what whites can do than. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. It's it seems weird because it seems like most people don't like Verity. Maybe these people are different because they're working on Verity's ships. See, uh, that's where I think that I I especially get caught up in sometimes too. And right there, I think you did is mm-hmm. that. We assume that, oh, nobody likes Verity. I think everybody likes Verity. They don't want him as a king, though. Mm, okay. I think he's like a bad ruler, so but they not like Verity. they're suspicious of him, of like, right. he's a bad ruler, but he's definitely not selling his people to I be think murdered. everybody, especially the people who are on the boats, because remember, it's a lot of, you know, fighters mm-hmm. or people who want revenge on the red ships answered Verity's call. And Verity's like, we, we need vengeance on these people. Right. I'll sign you up and you can kill raiders. I don't think those people are going to be the ones that are super suspicious of Verity and be like, he's against us all. I think they're the ones that like, this guy has been out campaigning for us. He's just not doing good at his job right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. I guess maybe if it was like people Regal had picked, they'd be more apt to, he's in league. (laughs) I don't know. All right, well, this chapter is a pretty long one. There's a lot of action in it, so uh, we're going to take a quick break here, and you'll get the rest of the exciting battle, (laughs) (laughs) spoiler-free, next week. And we will uh, catch you up with the rest of the chapter 16 for next week. Thanks so much for listening, and, you know, reach out if you have any questions or anything to say. See you next time.